Welcome back, friends. Hello, friends. We are here today in observance of Maundy Thursday, which is probably of all of the days of Easter weekend, mm -hmm. the least observed, would you say? Um, I'd argue Saturday is the least observed. Sure. But yeah, Maundy Thursday is not as widely recognized, at least in Protestantism. Um, we really just kind of stick to Sunday in Protestantism. Yeah, sometimes Friday, too. Um, sometimes Friday, but, <laughs> but LOL, we will talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> uh, well, actually, no, I'd say even now. I, uh, we were mentioning yesterday that we, in evangelical circles or contexts, we really like Friday and Sunday because... Those are the ones that Jesus did something cool for us. Whereas Thursday and Saturday are about us doing something or going through something. Yeah, so, I, so find, I find absolutely no surprises in that the, the days we focus most on are the ones that we have no responsibility on. <laughs> yeah, other than to make us feel bad that you did this to him. Yeah, there's that guilt. But we'll get into all that sure. on Thursdays, I guess. On Friday, we'll talk more about that today. Maundy Thursday. Maundy Thursday. Yeah. We can lighten it up a little because Maundy Thursday starts with a party. It really does. We love a party. Yeah. Jesus loved a party. Holler. He really did. Like, I'm pretty sure we've recommended it already. But if you haven't, watch The Chosen. Uh, season two starts season two. Sunday, starts on mm -hmm. Easter. Um, if you can stream season one before then, it's only, what, eight episodes? Yeah. And... Ugh. Do it. Yeah, technically free on their app, although you can contribute to pay for future seasons and pay it forward for someone else to watch free if you have the resources. Um, anyway, it's a great representation of the Gospels and... Best I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I usually really hate Christian film. Yeah. Like a lot. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like we just are so concerned about it being clean that the story yeah. ends up being really just... And it's about us battling culture <laughs> and getting a happy ending every time it's like okay um no this is this is a deep dive into the culture of jesus's time it's a deep dive into who those people would have been mm -hmm. into the person he was and he was so fun yes and yes, you yes, get yes. that when you read through the gospels for sure but yeah. to see it played out is really special i like it a lot so um Maundy Thursday starts with a bang. Starts with a party. They're celebrating the Passover. Well, yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> First statement, and I'm already wrong. <laughs> Not necessarily wrong. It's just debatable. The Synoptic Gospels, as we talked about, <laughs> um, they do talk about that it is during the Passover. Um, but how the Passover was practiced at that time is debatable um did you hear my neck pop just there <laughs> i just like leaned a little to the left and my neck popped so loud i'm sorry you guys if you heard that that's so funny yeah if you heard it i am not deleting it <laughs> and you to welcome to my it. life <laughs> so um anyway the synoptic gospels would you know do point out that it was the beginning of the unleavened bread festival if you will. Uh, I like Passover. leavened bread. Oh, I do, but Riesca? I don't like Riesca. I, oh, that's weird. I love Riesca. No, I bulla, nisua, yes. that's yeah. my, yeah. 
So, um, so there is a parallel with Passover. However, what we call Passover based on, uh, contemporary practices in Judaism or Messianic Judaism. Um, we don't know when those sorts of practices were integrated into the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. So when we talk, and, and I don't mean this to be a downer on anyone who likes to celebrate a Messianic cedar, you know, or, or preaches about how like Jesus taught his disciples through the Passover. I I don't want to be a downer on that because I think there is incredible um, imagery and symbolism that parallels the Old Testament with Jesus's story. That's really important. However, I am very uncomfortable when we just say, this is exactly how it went. That's not the Passover Jesus celebrated. But, but... Huh? Like the messianic Passover? <gasps> That's not what I meant. But but uh, what I mean is I don't like if we jump into the text and say, this is exactly what God did when it's debatable. Right. So, so just with the historical context, we don't necessarily know which cup he was drinking in the Passover cedar that he then created communion in or right um and then even in the gospel accounts themselves the synoptics talk that it is the day of unleavened bread but in john it is before the passover because Mm. what john does in his text is uh he parallels jesus's sacrifice as the same day the sheep are sacrificed for the passover Interesting. And so all of the gospel... John's a poet. Yes. He would do something like that. So all of these gospels do want to make a parallel with the Jewish faith practice of Passover with the life and death of Jesus. Mm -hmm. However, the exact historical nature of that, up for debate. (laughs) So so Mm -hmm. it's not wrong to talk about Passover in this context, but to, to make an assertion that... They were, in fact, having Passover dinner. Yeah. Is maybe not. Okay. Yes. Well, that's, you know, having done a cedar before, mm-hmm. I've actually thought about that where, um, you know, there's always supposed to be a kid that, likes that like, asks a question yes. or, like, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, who'd they get? <laughs> who is the youngest? Who is the youngest Like, disciple? was it Peter being, like, <laughs> brash? <laughs> Oh, who do we think was the youngest disciple? I wonder... There, I'm sure that there's a historical thing. I don't know. Maybe Thomas. He seems like the baby. He seems like the one to ask the most questions. <laughs> yeah, but Peter did the most talking. Yeah, but so he would have answered it, and then just would be like, shut up. Sure. Here's what it really says. All right, that's enough speculation. <laughs> um, but regardless of whether or not it was Passover, it was, in fact... A party. Yes. A, a feast. dinner. A big feast. Not just not just a dinner. We have it's a full feast. Jesus went all out, I'm sure. Certainly. Yeah. I mean he was about to go through some awful things. I bet he wanted a good meal. Your last meal. <laughs> what do you want for your last meal? Everything. <laughs> all of it. Um so but back to the synoptics, they do talk about having the Passover. Um and going to eat in someone's home because they're in Jerusalem, not in their own place. Um, and so they sit together to eat. And But before the meal, uh, Jesus 
washes the disciples' feet. Um, wasn't foot washing a relatively customary practice because the roads were so dirty and they were open to- open toe shoes? Open toe shoes. Very sensible, like sling slingbacks. Yes, yes, of course. Some um, Keens. Oh, <laughs> Birkenstocks, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, as people's feet got really dirty in those days on the roads and wandering about, and so it was customary for a servant of a household that you entered to wash your feet. And so in comes Jesus <laughs> and starts washing his disciples' feet. Feets? I'm bad at words. <laughs> he washes their feet, which is such a humble image because it was a position reserved for a slave. Mm-hmm. And the disciples don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, rightly so. I don't know if, have you ever had your feet washed? I don't a, like to be touched, but I have gotten pedicures. That, yes, yes. <laughs> so besides a pedicure, though, I've I've had my feet washed. I've also been in a church where instead of a feet washing just for convenience sake, they washed hands. Um, I wouldn't like that. I didn't think I would, but then I, I was so moved by the, both the intimacy and the awkwardness, like, feeling bad for them. Mm-hmm. Like, why Why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> part of it is being that weird, like, don't touch me. But also, like, such a, uh, there's such a humility in their act yeah. that it makes me uncomfortable. Um, Which is what they would have been feeling. Exactly. And, probably and more so. Yeah, because they figured that they were there to serve him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the foot washing... Narrative happens in the Gospel of John, FYI, in chapter 13. And um, he comes up to wash all of their feet. When he gets to Peter, Peter's like, um, no, no, no. <laughs> I just get him all the time. And and Jesus is like, you don't understand right now, but you will. Um, and so, and, and Jesus is like, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part of me. Um, but then Peter... In excess, as he does. As he does. Okay, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash everything. (laughs) Like, wash my hands, wash my head. And Jesus is like, no, if you are bathed, you don't need to have this whole washing. Just clean off the feet. Like, you don't... Don't go overboard. You don't need to be clean all over. You are already clean. Let's just remove... Where the impurity is. The impurity is, right? Um... And then he does, like, side-eye at Judas at this point and, like, looks like, mm, not all of you are clean, but... <laughs> Man, Jesus was kind of a sassy queen sometimes. <laughs> I like that. Anyway. Um, but significance of foot washing. Thoughts on that? Well, did he wash all of their feet? Yes. Yes. So he washed Judas's feet. Mm-hmm. Who... At that point, Judas was already, like, making a deal with other people to betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he's washing the feet of somebody who is going to be directly responsible for his arrest and mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is where we already start seeing examples that we would love to ignore Yeah. on Maundy Thursday. Like, Maundy... Meaning, like, mandate, right? Is that what mm-hmm. you said? Like, like we, yeah, the I think, command. 
I think that we tend to really limit that that command just to when Jesus says, like, do this in remembrance. Mm-hmm. But I really think that everything he does the whole evening is something that we are supposed to be doing. Yes. Um, and this particular idea of humbling yourself before your legitimate enemy, mm-hmm. we will not do it. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Yeah. There, like, I don't think there's a single person who can be like, oh, yeah, of course I do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think that you do, that is a whole different, like, right. we're dealing with a different pride issue there. Right. I just, we don't do it. I remember reading an Anne Lamott um, article, article or a Facebook post or something, where um, she was not lamenting, but just in awe of the fact that Jesus would wash Donald Trump's feet. Yeah. And that... She's a she's a known liberal person, right? Um, and so it was no surprise. If a conservative were to articulate it, they'd say something about Obama's feet or Biden's right. feet, you know. Um, and she just being in awe of that—that that someone who she is just always, not even just in disagreement with, but someone who terrifies her, someone who thinks that, or someone that she believes goes against the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That Jesus would still wash his feet. Yeah. And am I really supposed to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so those those tables flip. Like, who is the person that you are, who you think goes against the kingdom? Yeah. Are you willing to humble yourself to the point where you look weak? Yeah. You, uh, we're not. <laughs> we aren't. Mm-hmm. But we are supposed to be. Yeah. Ouch. Mm -hmm. This um, event in John 13 continues that Jesus talks to them and says, I've given you an example. You should do what I have done, right? A a servant is not greater than the master, and a a master is not greater than a servant. We Mm -hmm. are all here to serve. And he continues then into my new command that I give you. The mandate. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Love one another. Yeah. By your love, they will know you are my disciples. And I think sometimes we take that love one another, they'll know you're my disciples, to mean like you just love the other ones who are already part of this crowd. Yeah. And then yeah. the way you love each other, they'll know. But like, is that true? Like, do we see that happening? Absolutely. No, I mean like, do we see the outside world knowing how loving God is based on how we just love each other within our churches. Oh goodness. No, no, I don't think Jesus was so exclusive like that where it's like, just you guys need to focus on it. I think it was, you, you need to love everybody. Yes. Yes. It's been, even for me as a Bible thumping Christian, if you will, but I'm a little bit different of a Bible thumper. There are conversations I will hear in passing, and I go, ugh, they're Christians. Oh, ow, ow. Isn't that awful? That, that I will hear people speaking horribly about political leaders or people in their own community or celebrities, and I just cringe at their lovelessness yeah. and know that they're a Christian. Or identify as one. Identify as a Christian is, yes, a better yeah. way of putting it. I know, and it that makes me so sad. Yes. Because, of course, not one person can be like, I love everyone well all of the time. Of course, of course. But it's 
you we can get better at not going an extra mile in ridicule. Yeah. And we can't just blame the media for making a bias. Yeah, no. You know, I think people and and I believed years and years ago that it was like, well, the media makes Christians look bad and so everyone thinks badly of Christians. And I'm like, I'm telling you now, it's not the media anymore. No. It could have influenced, but it's made us it's made us act a certain way. Yeah. Where we have become so hostile and and mad at the world that we just hate it and want Jesus to come back so we can escape. Yeah. <laughs> that we're not doing a good job of loving. We're not we're not washing we're, we're looking for our love. We're not washing anyone's feet. And we yeah. talked about even in the dust episode, we're not even getting our own feet dirty. Yes. Yeah. We're just sitting in our homes and being relatively kind to each other but complaining about everyone else that disagrees with us. Yeah. But just that picture of Jesus lowering himself down onto his knees Mm -hmm. and washing the feet of someone he knew was going to betray him in Mm -hmm. an ultimate act of betrayal, not just like gossip about him. Right. Be responsible for his death. Mm -hmm. And didn't make a thing of it. Didn't like try to look at him and be like, you should feel really special if I'm doing this. He made some snide comments. Of course. Snide perhaps is the wrong word because I think that he was loud. <laughs> <laughs> we would probably not have a great... Um, oh, our, our attitude of our heart while we did it would probably not be so pure. But, yeah, I just... It never ceases to amaze me that he, that he did that. Yeah. And... I think we too quickly gloss over that as, oh, such humility for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and there, we never make it, oh, that was an example I'm supposed to follow. Yeah, yeah. I'm also so encouraged when Jesus has that interaction with Peter and is like, you're clean. We're just removing what's on your feet. And And to me, that's... An image, like, I I really try to encourage, especially when I'm discipling youth, of when they're so afraid of their dirt and their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you know Jesus, you've been cleaned. Mm -hmm. Things that come up are going to come up because we live in a dirty place. Mm -hmm. Wash your feet. Yeah. Come to me. Let me wash your feet. Yeah. Let's walk together in this. And, And, yes, clean those things. But it's done in tenderness and service. It doesn't mean your whole self is dirty now. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're you're not damaged. Yeah. Um, like, there's, there's no mess that he's not willing to clean up. He's not looking for you to be clean. He's ready to clean you. Yeah. And, and I hope that those who follow Jesus would be willing to also go make people clean. And not just be offended by their mess. Well, and not assume that their whole self is dirty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> They're also going to just have parts yes. that need to be cleaned. Yes. Yeah. So the foot washing ends and they enter supper time. Supper time. Um, and re- whether or not this is Passover, mm-hmm. they have 
bread and wine, which it was that customary even for a non, yeah, 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 like a not Passover meal. Um, and Jesus performs for the first time what we now call, depending on your tradition, it's either communion or we call it the Last Supper, we call it the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, and different denominations practice them differently, but ultimately, it's this this act of now of remembrance Mm -hmm. but at this particular moment jesus performs it for the first time um do you want to walk us through like what he's doing what the symbolism sure so um he says that he has the bread and he breaks it and gives it to all of them um after giving thanks and he says this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me so this idea that his body will be broken for each of us, and we all get apart. Mm-hmm. And then he has the cup of wine, and he says, this cup um, is is the symbol of the new covenant, um, reflecting what is a new covenant if we don't know what an old covenant is, right? So um, the old covenant was really this relationship promise between God and and Israel, God and Abraham. Mm-hmm. And it for the old covenant that they the the, the Jewish people would uh, go through circumcision, they would follow the law, that that was the symbol and the signifier of we have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus says, no, it is my blood that is there as a covenant between and us. Just mine. Yes. That's what's interesting is that, you know, with the old covenant, when we really dig through that, and someday we should, someday we should go through Genesis as a series. But in that old covenant with Abraham, there are things that God does that shows Abraham there's very little he has to do, that Mm -hmm. it's going to be God who carries things through. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is uh, proof on behalf of the people. There there are, are mandates they have to meet. Yeah. In order to prove that relationship. Yeah. And one of them is uh, annual sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's saying, my blood mm-hmm. is the new covenant. It's just mine. Mm-hmm. And you just drink it. Mm-hmm. You just accept it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, sometimes is really offensive to us because... And there are parables that warn us about this reaction that we will have. But mm-hmm. we, we hear, like... It's just him. like I was always taught that grace is offensive because we don't want to believe that we that there's nothing we can do to earn it. But and yeah, but I think sometimes we get more offended that other people don't have to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like all I all we have to do is just like receive his love to be under the covenant. Well, I don't like what that person does, but they still receive it. Yep. And they haven't changed their lifestyle to what I think they ought to change it to. Mm-hmm. But like, or they don't have the same theology as me. They don't or just whatever it is. Yeah. I just think I think that that's where grace gets offensive and that it equally covers people. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's offensive in that way, and it's also so encouraging just for the, your own self, like... To realize, like, yeah, of course there are things, like we talked about, like blemishes. There's going to be purifying. There's going to be foot washing. There's going to be cleansing that must happen. Mm -hmm. 
But it's never forced on you. The Holy Spirit doesn't come up with a scrub brush and just, like, get to work. Like, you have to receive it. You have to open yourself up to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what a relief that that's all. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean it's easy. Right. And it doesn't mean we should take advantage of that. Right. Right. But it does mean that you don't have to strive to look clean all the time. Mm -hmm. Putting on a clean mask does not prove grace. Right. Um, although CDC does recommend clean masks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I don't know who needs to hear this. Wash your reusable mask. <laughs> I, I never do that. There's so much. I just makeup. buy new ones. <laughs> um, anyway, I just, I have not really ever, um, I've never really cared that much about communion. Yeah. And I have tried to explore why that is. And I don't even know if I have an answer, but I just, um, I've gone to churches that do it differently. We grew up, it was like the first Sunday of the month was Mm -hmm. communion and our pre-COVID, our ushers slash elders would um, pass it out to us. They would serve us and then our pastor would serve them in this very symbolic, like, the leaders serve yeah. the lowers. Yeah. Um, but... And then we eat it all together. Yes. Yep. As one. Um, I always understood that symbolism, but I never felt moved by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to a church where we did it every single Sunday, and it was while music was playing and you served yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a college that was of the Presbyterian tradition, and so we walked forward and received bread from um a leader of mm-hmm. some kind and mm-hmm. then dipped it mm-hmm. in the wine and like and I've gone to churches where you go and you kneel at the altar and like there's all these different practices um and I don't know if it's because I was just I don't know desensitized is the right word but so accustomed to it that it just lost its power yeah on, you know yeah um I remember even as a kid, like, as the elements were being passed out in our church and the organ would be playing always the same hymns, which I love. Love it. Um, uh, but, like, people taking that time to reflect. And I'm watching them and I'm like, what are you, what's what's happening? I don't know if I just am not good at being told, like, now's your reflection time. Go. And I'm like, <laughs> about what? <laughs> like, do, do you ever find that where people will be like, let's just take a few minutes and let's just see what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. And then they open their eyes and they're like, I feel convicted of this. And I'm like, you heard something? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I just don't, I don't know if my brain just doesn't do that in a group if maybe I get so caught up in other people and, just and other people, but just the sounds maybe it's the maybe it's the synesthesia I don't really know sure, there's sure, music sure. playing and I'm just like nah, nah, nah. just kind of being a dodo just like <laughs> <laughs> but but I just I I think that I am being worked in in a way and I think that you know reaching a point in my adulthood where I actually observe Holy Week is starting to make me really feel moved by the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, but it, my whole life has just, I've understood why we do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I never find myself in this moment of being like, wow. Yeah. And so I sometimes wonder like, do those other people really actually feel that wow mm-hmm. when they do it? Or do they just think they have to? Cause that's what they've seen. Like, I don't know. I think, 
when I read through Jesus doing it, mm-hmm. that moves me. Yeah. That picture yeah. moves me. But when we all sit and do it, I don't know. I just... I've sh- I have shamed myself for a long time and being like, oh, there must just be something wrong with me that I just mm. don't care. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I have this weird relationship with communion. Yeah, I've had like a back and forth. There were times I'm like, like I understand that the significance, cool, great symbolism. Um, and again, different, different church contexts, for some it's very symbolic. Some contexts, it's very literal that the bread and the wine that you are consuming are actually transformed into Jesus's literal body. You know what I and I, and I used to think that was so gross and cannibalistic. <laughs> no, I actually kind of like that. And now, now I do, I do. That's yeah. a that's a a Catholic belief, right? Yeah, that there's yeah. this. Um, is it transfixiation? Trans- not transfixiation. <laughs> oh my gosh, that that is not it. <laughs> Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. That when you consume the wine and the bread, that it really becomes the, the blood and the body. Yeah, I I don't believe that. Right. Um, but I like that they do. There's something yeah. very mystic about it. There's something miraculous about it. There's and there's something in this co-air. Mm-hmm. You know, this co-heirs with Christ idea where it's like we get to be so intimate with him that he's inside our bodies. Yeah. And and that receiving act. Yeah. Um, the the very obvious symbolism of, of this is what sustains me. Uh-huh. That Jesus died for me. I also think, so I will say, I, I was really moved... Um, I did not get to partake in communion at Mass at the Vatican because I'm mm-hmm. not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it was really moving. And I think that there is something about staring in that moment at a crucifix with Jesus on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember growing up kind of having people crap on like how Catholics still have Jesus on the cross because he rose. He's not still there. Yeah. It was like the thing they always said, which like, yeah. 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 Um, but I think maybe sometimes that's why I don't really feel so enamored with right. my body broken for you, my blood shed for you, because we never had to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to get past Friday. Yeah. I mean, like, Passion of the Christ was a little helpful mm-hmm. in realizing, like, that sucked for him. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd thank Mel Gibson for helping you understand the Eucharist? (laughs) Not me. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe I just uh, need extremes. Yeah, yeah. That I have to see how grotesque it was to understand how major it actually was. I don't know. And I think for me, the thing that's most powerful in my experiences of communion isn't even so much the symbolism or that. Which is is something I've I've had to grow in, and times that I've been really into it, and really not. <laughs> um, but for me, the element of it being throughout time and space and history, we're sharing a meal with the disciples. Now that moves me. Yes, that absolutely yeah. does. And this is where we start to get into like the time space continuum thing, and like mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. I can see. But wah, wah, wah. but that that moves me. Yeah. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason why I like going to mass to say the words that people have been saying at this time on Sunday for thousands and yeah. thousands of years. Yeah, and and that's why 
I mean, the whole idea of Monday Thursday is powerful because the Last Supper and feet washing and the command to love one another, those are the core practices of this faith. Different sects of the religion might have different sacraments or different things they emphasize as importance for your spiritual development, for Mm -hmm. your personal holiness. But at its core, when you have these things in place, where you are committed to loving and sacrificing and receiving Christ's sacrifice, that is what unites us. That is what Christianity is, if we're going to talk about just as a religious system. Mm -hmm. And then I think, sure, we might laugh because Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. (laughs) You know that. (laughs) Moira Rose. That was really bad, Moira. Yours was better. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, we, we like to scoff at the idea of religion. But here's the thing. People need, people have religion. Yeah, we are wired for ritual. You having to sit in the same pew on Sunday is religion. Yeah. Or doing things in an order of service is religion. So the the scoffing at the idea of religion is silly to me because we want it. Mm -hmm. We want it. Just make it worth it. Yeah. Don't just make religion of the dumb things. But when it's things like this, where we are... Like that, that fellowship throughout time is what what keeps me here. Well, and I think that even just the way that Jesus goes about this is a good balance of the two. Uh-huh. Um, he is giving you, uh, in a sense, a religious mandate. Uh-huh. Practice this. Yeah. Do this, and do it for this reason. Mm-hmm. Drink this in remembrance of me. Eat this in remembrance of me. Like mm-hmm. that's. That there is religiosity to that. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it around a table. Yes. And not an altar. Yes. Which is what they would have had to do with their sacrifices and time with God before. Yes. Um, there's a line in one of the songs we that I put on the playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Stephanie Gretzinger's Remember. And mm-hmm. one of the lines is, you took the altar and made it a table. Yes. And, it, and it's that where it's like it's not... You know, I I don't want to say that the church is who have you come forward and do that or doing it wrong. Right. It's it's a mindset. Yes. So it's not you have to do this around a table because mm-hmm. gee, that would be more religiosity. Mm-hmm. But it's this idea that it's like, yep, do it and do it like this. Yeah. But the mindset is not altar of separation. It's table where, and there's always more room. Yes. Every, everyone is welcome at it. Yes. And I think um, with that table idea, why can't every meal, why can't every meal be communion? I want a house. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Like th- that to me when it says in as much as you, whenever you eat and drink this, you proclaim the Lord's death. You know what? I, I think every time you eat, you can be reflecting that. If I'm being very honest, mm-hmm. so it was what, the day after George Floyd died last year? Yes. Mm-hmm. And everything was just in turmoil. I'm going to cry again. Just remembering. <laughs> I mean, it just, the world felt like it was a dumpster fire and everyone mm-hmm. was 
pissed at something. They were either grieving or they were mad at the grievers for grieving too much or for the way they were grieving or just whatever. It was just like no one was fine Mm -hmm. the next day. Mm -hmm. And we were in... Were we in full quarantine at that point? I think that we had come out of the first big freeze of quarantine, mm-hmm. but we still weren't back in school. Yeah. And so we um, we drew over to Astoria. We were like, oh, we just need to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was a beautiful sunny day. The Columbia River was showing off as she does, and it mm-hmm. was amazing. And we were listening to music that was making us cry in the car. Gospel. <laughs> Gospel choir. Um but we went and we got Indian food, mm-hmm. Indian food and some delicious red wine mm-hmm. and brought that home. And that felt the most like communion mm-hmm. probably ever in my life. Yeah. Because it, it it was coming from a very broken place. Yeah. And this like, oh, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you? What is going mm-hmm. on? That felt like communion. Non and wine that day. <laughs> Garlic non even. It was a little keg. Mm. But that felt like communion. That felt like I want to just embody who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Receive from him. Receive yeah. his person. Receive his brokenness in the midst of my own brokenness. Right. That that felt like what I think communion is supposed to feel like. But I've yeah. never gotten that in a church setting. Yeah. yeah. Not once in my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh, can we move on from communion? <laughs> so you start absolutely, crying. absolutely. Although it's not like it gets better. <laughs> oh, now now the tears really start happening because right, we're having this wonderful meal and then a fight breaks out because they're talking about who's the greatest among us. <laughs> and and Jesus is like, like, do you not do you not I get what do. I just said? <laughs> Hello. The point is not that you be great. The point is that the least will be the greatest among you. Serve. Love. Don't be trying to be better than anybody else. Come on. (laughs) Is that when Judas pieces out? Um, Does he kind of like sneak away in the scuffle? Uh, Do we know? We don't necessarily know. I'm, I'm looking at parallels of all the gospels and and they kind of have different approaches to when those things are going to be okay um so um but throughout this night here are the things that go on whatever order jesus teaches them what it means to be great and it means to be the least as he's about to become the least we need to sit with that for a second yeah it's that same thing of even the person that you think is less than you you lower yourself and you wash their feet. Yes. I yes. had a friend actually who um, a few years ago was in kind of a, a power struggle with someone they were in a collaborative relationship with mm-hmm. and was praying about it um, and isn't necessarily even a prayer, but was praying about it and just felt like what they're doing goes against who you are like I know that what they're trying to do is just for their own glory there's none of you in it and this 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 like I could if I could just get through this I could show the actual truth of the situation but it was like he just got this message of like I don't want you to win in my name I want you to lose mm. oh out like mm-hmm. we don't we are so bad at that yeah yeah but anyway sorry yes yeah so so teaching on greatness teaching on greatness we hear of, he kind of points towards Judas, 
they're all wondering. He says, someone's going to betray me. And they're like, is it me? Is it me? And Jude's like, is it me? And he's like, you said it. Go quickly. Do what you got to do. Oh, oh, so he doesn't sneak away. I don't think. Well, yeah, I don't. uh, When he already was in cahoots, I don't know if it was before this night or. Sure. And and was just waiting for the opportunity. I'm not sure. Ugh. Ugh. Just icky. So he, um, yeah, Judas is in the process of selling Jesus out to the authorities. Um, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to end up betraying him too, um, that he will deny him three times um, before the morning. Kind of dreary, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, like party, like, like fun sucker, That's party pooper, Debbie Downer, like they were having a good time. <laughs> and then... <laughs> yeah, like that's a little rude. Um, in the John passage, he continues teaching about like, if you love me, you keep my commandments. You know, again, this idea of this being a knight of the mandate, right? Like love one another, uh-huh. serve one another, be less than one another, <laughs> clean one another. Um and, and through that, like, Jesus is like, I'm going to give you peace. All this stuff might happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Your, my spirit will be with you. I mean, just this whole, I, I love this section of the Gospel of John. Um, to, to, it really just summarizes so much of his teaching. But um, anyway, you know, reminder that our sorrow will be turned into joy. Um, but he's still also predicting y'all are going to run. Y'all are going to hide. But he's still saying it anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess, isn't that in a way kind of like raising kids? Like you say a lot of things to them that you know in these years of their they're not going to obey you. Yeah. They're straight up not going to. They might when they're little, but then they get to, you know, those ages where their brain starts developing and they develop autonomy and they are directly going to go against everything you've said. Yeah. But eventually they get to an age where they remember. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to them in the moment. Mm-hmm they don't get why they can't have that thing that they just asked for. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to try and sneak it. Yeah. Like they're going to disobey, but there eventually comes a point where they, they remember what you said. Yes. <laughs> and so I, that's how it kind of feels to me. Like he knows that they're not going to get it. And they, he knows that they're all going to leave him. Yeah. Except one that night and mm-hmm. the, and the ladies, Hey, we'll, we'll get it. into that. But, but I still, still says all these things which yeah. clearly they do remember if they yeah well that's, write it down. that's what jesus says throughout right he's like you don't understand this now you will and they do they get there mm-hmm. they figure it out uh, but in the heat of it they struggle and i and i hope that's an encouragement to us <laughs> that if you don't get it now don't fret that or if or if someone you love doesn't get it yet yeah, there is no timeline or order of operation to the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. not like he deals with these sins first and then this. And then yeah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Straight so no. These incredible church founders didn't get it either. And they knew Jesus personally. Yeah. And they still disagreed even after. Yes. <laughs> Cut one another some slack. That is, I think if you look in the Greek, when Jesus says love one another, I think that's what he actually said was it? cut each other slack. Okay. Because they were fishermen and they knew about, like, slack of fishing lines. Really good. 
Good reference, Carly. We've been on a boat a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I was zero help fishing growing up. Yeah. I laid on the bow and just took a nap in the sun and ate snacks. Worked on your tan. I did. Okay. Anyway, well, they Maybe. end dinner. They sing a hymn. They go to Gethsemane. What a fun name. It, I like the word Gethsemane. The Mount of Olives. I've been there. That's cool. Yeah. Did you feel some bad juju? No, it was beautiful. Oh. It was a beautiful garden. They have churches there and just, yeah, stunning. I um put the hymn Go to Dark Gethsemane on the Maundy Thursday playlist. It's kind of odd putting together songs for, like, go from a party to Gethsemane. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that... Um, in our reluctance to dwell in the painful parts of faith or just life. Yeah. Um, when it comes to this portion of the evening, I think that we come a little bit more entrenched in the story and like, oh, look at all this stuff that happens. And But I think that there's so much to learn from Jesus's um, response to pain and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives us permission to also be able to lean into those things and how to address them in prayer. And Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that hymn essentially says, like, don't look away from how much turmoil Jesus is feeling already in this moment before he's even arrested. Like, don't look away from that. Mm -hmm. Go there. Mm -hmm. Just go spend some time there. So anyway, yeah. That, That he knows... So, again, if you're not super familiar, he's in this garden to pray. And he asks his disciples to pray with him. But they fall asleep. They keep falling asleep, and he goes and prays by himself. (laughs) They, me. And he keeps coming back and being like, why are you asleep? Keep praying. The spirit is willing. The body is weak. Just fight it. He goes and prays some more, and then they come back, and they're asleep. He's like, okay, guys, well, here it comes. My betrayer's coming. Like, what are you doing? But while while he's praying, he, he just... First of all, he's, you know, the son of God slash God. And he is just saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. God, help me. God, don't make me do this. Because even though he's divine, he's in a human body and about to experience some pain. Mm -hmm. And his humanity is so real. Yes. We really, really see human Jesus in this. Yes. Like, I take this from me. Mm-hmm. Don't make me do this. Mm-hmm. But still, it is your will and not mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, crying and sweating to the point of blood. Yeah. I mean, just... I've never agony, been that anxious. <laughs> absolute agony. Um, and it is in this space where his friends are not entering into that pain with him. Mm-hmm. And he's just on his own. The angels minister to him, yes, but but the betrayer comes and is about to sell him off with a kiss. Maundy Thursday's weird. It is. So, what's the symbolism of that? What? Betrayal by a kiss. Um, like he could just be, it's him. <laughs> I, no, I think it was... To be a little sneaky, you know, that, oh, this is oh, my I'm master, gonna I'm going to come greet him. Ugh. And the one I greet is the one to go get. Ugh. Painful. Absolutely painful. Even though Jesus knew, it's still painful. 
this is also when we get to like prime Peter mm-hmm. because he, <laughs> I guess we don't really get into his denial of Jesus yet in, in the Maundy Thursday talk, but it's so funny comparing, I shouldn't say funny, but it is funny to me comparing the Peter who in the moment that Jesus is being arrested grabs a sword <laughs> and slices off the ear of one of the soldiers arresting him and be like, I, I'm, I got Bring you, it. Jesus. I got Bring you. It. And then like hours later, he's like, I don't know that guy. I don't know. <laughs> mm, like, I just, I get it. I understand it. Yeah. It's two very big extremes to either being like, mm, not for me or like fully defending it. Yeah. Sword, sort of swinging. So that's where we kind of wrap up Monday, Thursday, with Jesus getting arrested. To kind of wrap up, I'll share, I, I'm the only one of us that has been in Maundy Thursday services. Um, at my last church, it was an annual thing. We, eh, they didn't always do it, but frequently would. One of our least attended services, and it's a real shame because it was probably my favorite church service I've ever been in. And maybe it was because it was a small number, I don't know. But the juxtaposition of all of these symbols and all that happens in this night was a, a whirlwind of emotion. And it starts, you know, we'd sing and read scripture. Our pastor would wash our hands for convenience sake because your feet. Um, <laughs> taking off shoes at church. But no, he'd, he'd wash our feet um, or our hands and We'd have communion. We'd talk about Passover. It was so unifying and lovely and just just a lot of fellowship happened in that night. And then it ends with a practice called the stripping of the altar in which every greenery that was up for Palm Sunday, every decoration is removed. We extinguish candles, we take everything out and the sanctuary is left bare, or at least for us, it was just the altar. And I just thought that was such a, a beautiful, um, beautiful way to commemorate the WTF is this day. <laughs> yeah. To go from such a, a beautiful time into something so horrendous. Um, it's a lot of feelings, and I know we want to jump to the Easter moment to bring some resolution. Mm-hmm. Please don't. Yeah. Don't. Go there. Go to dark Gethsemane. Because even if you don't this week, you will in your life. Mm-hmm. In real life, that that is the beauty of, for me, the lectionary, but also just of existence itself. We we have the extremes and they can be in the same breath. So we aren't trying to avoid that as Christians. The Christian faith isn't about avoiding pain and just seeing victory, but to to bravely, faithfully walk into it. To be okay with the reality of life that there's ugly about to happen. Sure, we know Sunday's coming, but, but don't jump there. There's something to be experienced 
on this side. 